I'm Suresh Lal, and this is the Interim Leader Podcast, brought to you by Odgers Interim, the UK's leading provider of interim management services. When it comes to diversity at the senior leadership level, social housing faces a few challenges. Despite a number of initiatives across the sector and the issues taking up more and more of the spotlight, most chief executives and board members are still white and male. To put this in perspective, Inside Housing magazine recently surveyed 300 chief executives across the UK. Only 29 of them identified as coming from a BAME background. What's more, of the 61 associations involved in the survey, 25 either had no BAME board representative or did not have the data available to offer any information. The LGBTQ representation for both chief executives and board members fared even worse. So whilst it's obvious that housing associations need to address the issue, as one of the UK's largest providers of senior leaders in the sector, we feel that it's also our responsibility to take a lead on tackling the diversity issue. So today I'm joined by Kate Dodsworth, Chief Executive of Gateway Housing Association, based in Mile End in central London, an outspoken advocator for greater diversity across the sector, and a fellow Yamya, to talk about why the sector faces a diversity problem at the senior leadership level, and what we can all do about it. So Kate, welcome to the Interim Leader. Hello Suresh. Do we need to explain what a yum yum is? No. Alright, people will get it. I would have thought so. Okay. There was an interesting study done recently talking about diversity, about the hated regional accents in the UK. And I'm not sure this is our best vehicle, Suresh, for getting our ideas over. Because it was was black country... Brummy, and uh, we're both from the same neck of the woods. In fact, my mother says, sorry, you're in when you come round for your Christmas club money, but it's behind the sofa. Anyway. And we'll say we. Oh, um, yeah. So, um, so, Kate, welcome to the Interim Leader. Thank you very much. Glad to have you with us. Um, we've, we've often had diversity conversations, you and I, in your office, and I think this was a, an opportunity for us to talk about this uh, to a wider audience. So, let's kind of jump straight in. And talk about the current state of play in the social housing sector and when it comes to the diversity at the senior leadership level. How good or bad is the situation and why do you think it matters? Oh, I think it matters because if we're a, a social sector which is rooted in communities, then we absolutely have to, to get this right for a variety of reasons. Mm. I think how we're doing, again, as a, as a sector that is supposed to support and care people and reflect communities and also at the other end really face some crunchy challenges at the moment we're doing very badly Mm. um you you talked about lgbtq plus issues being the the sort of worst area of diversity i disagree with that and i'll I'll park that for a moment Mm. for me the absolute pressing issue in our sector at the moment is the gap around ethnic diversity i think the proportionate progression of bame colleagues simply hasn't been there Mm. i think we're making fairy steps of progress and we need something that's a bit of a shot in the arm Mm. to to increase parity I've got some stats if you want them. I'd love to hear them. Okay. So back in 2017, Inside Housing did uh, some research that suggested 4.5% of execs in England were from BAME backgrounds. Now, they've updated the research recently. Mm. Actually, Leadership 2025, the programme that I'm one of the founder steering group members of, which seeks to address this issue, did some research as well. Uh, and we published 
just last month, we found that of the largest 50 housing associations in the UK, only 7% of board members were from BAME backgrounds and only 5% of execs were from BAME backgrounds. That's incredible, isn't now, it? Now, if you cross that with census data, I think it's 14% in England mm. are from BAME backgrounds. But if you bring that to cities, then London, 40% of households are BAME backgrounds. So mm. you can see that's a huge, huge disparity. Mm. Uh, and we're falling behind and that's going to mm. cause us real problems. Mm. Really interesting. You mentioned their leadership 2025. Just explain a little bit more about what that was and and, and how you got involved in that. Well, you know, right from the days way back when, when I think we were sitting at a drive through McDonald's having our first burger <laughs> together, we were we were talking about this and we were talking about the, the problems that the sector faces if we don't address diversity. And pretty soon after that, I was approached by Gina Amo, who's chair of the BME London Housing yeah. Associations and chief executive, chief executive of Inquilab. And we had been discussing this. She said, put your money where your mouth is. We're going to set up a programme hmm. which aims to address this. So Leadership 2025 was hopped on board by a couple of G15 members, BME London, supported by Altair. Hmm. And it... It takes people through a really high-octane leadership programme in conjunction with Roffey Park, uh, supports people through mentoring, but most importantly, gives roughly six people a year who are already senior, chief mm. exec ready or exec ready, okay. really good profile through print and platform at the end of it. So we're now on year three. We're supported by Sadiq Khan, Mayor of London, mm. Uh, and it's a really successful brand and a successful programme. I think just one thing is really important to stress. I think sometimes some of these programmes are almost as if there is a problem with the targeted group mm. that you're, you're working with. This is absolutely, obviously, isn't the case with Leadership 2025. It seeks to level the playing field. If we've got a massive gap in leadership at diversity then assuming that that's true, then people have missed out on mm. some of these high-octane programmes. Mm. And we've got to do something to address the balance. A bigger part of our work at Leadership 2025 is actually dealing with the sector mm. and dealing with the demand side where we come on to recruitment. And we'll come back to that because obviously I think that's something we definitely have the ability to influence Indeed. in some ways. Indeed. Um, certainly if we're providing our shortlists and and ideas and opinions on individuals, Yeah, can we influence that in some way? So we'll come back to that. Yeah. Again, just coming, talking about the Leadership 2025 area for a second, has it been able to, or have you as the group, been able to identify what some of the issues are that are stopping some of the bank candidates getting through, coming yeah. through to Chief Executive? We're, we're seeing execs take the step up to Chief Executive level. There's been yeah. a few recent appointments fairly high profile ones that have, have made the leap but where are our BAME candidates on that and if they're not even in the exec position to begin with what's stopping them from getting to that stage never mind even getting to then chief executive 
Yeah, I, th- I, th- I mean, I think you you start at the other end, and there's a there's a big focus on talent pipeline, and mm. that's right. So so number one, every organisation needs to make sure that they have got a a healthy and inclusive way of bringing forward talent. I'm chief executive of Gateway Housing Association. I think that's something that we've we've absolutely nailed, and I'm really proud of that. Mm. I think the other the other aspect is it needs to be led. Um, the, the Leadership 2025 group commissioned some research and one of the solutions was a, a really simple five-point plan and it's about knowing your statistics, it's about leading from the front, it's about creating uh, aspirational targets if you need to. So again at Gateway we've got aspirational targets on our board to ensure uh, diversity and perpetuity. So all these indicators, you've got your dashboard of things that you can do in an organisation to make sure that you are encouraging people, you are representing different groups, people can see themselves in leadership positions and people are supported by the leaders in that that organisation. Even down to, I I think it's really important to have uh, imagery on your website and pictures on your wall that look inclusive. It sounds a small thing, but I mean, you know, if I don't see myself in a in a picture on a wall, I'm not going to bother going to work for that organisation. Oh, completely agree. Uh, so I think representation is a is a really important thing, and I think um, for people who aren't getting through. It really must knock your morale if you can see that time and time again, people are recruiting in their own mirror image. We've just got to break that. And yes, you are part of that. Not you personally, but recruitment agencies and the people who are commissioning your your work and your services. People have got to be really clear. This is a strategic problem and it needs a strategic answer to, to deal with it. Interestingly then, Obviously, this is a personal conversation for me as much as it is Uh uh, a conversation for the listeners out there. From my perspective, thinking about the mentoring and the encouragement for individuals that are coming through behind me, as a partner here at Audra's Interim, I have a powerful role to play. Do we have that across the sector? Are, Are we linked across those individuals who can support and guide and show that inspiration to others to say, you can make it, we are here. There's low numbers, but we are here. I think that's a really, really important point. And I, and I, actually, my, my view is that, that you're almost saying that is your role mm. because you are, you are BAME. And I think we all have a part to play. Actually, I would like to see um, white leaders Do owning this well. issue a yeah. bit more. Yeah. You know, if we have created this mm. and we have ignored the talent that has come up over the years then we've got to actually dig ourselves out of it. Mm. So I think we all have a role to play. And I think as as good managers and good leaders, you absolutely have to have your conversations with people in your teams and hold up a mirror to them and say, do you know what, I can see you doing this in five years' time. Mm. And if those conversations aren't capturing everybody who has the ambition and the nous and the drive to go further Mm. then there's something wrong and then the problem is with those managers maybe this should be in people's appraisals and performance Mm. objectives that they have a a, a, an obligation Mm. to do this i'm going to play devil's advocate for a second so if i was to sit there and say well there are people making it to those chief executive levels is it an easy excuse to say 
well, there's a deficiency or there's an issue that's stopping some of the talent coming through from the lower levels. We obviously have more individuals at lower levels of an organization. Is the bottleneck their own mentality rather than the organization holding them back? Uh, well, I, th- I think I think confidence. And you that's know, if been you really yeah, yeah, controversial, no, no, maybe. I, 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 I get it. Let, let, let's let's have the conversation. Mm. I think sometimes it comes down to to confidence and what mm. you do with that, and what you do with your sort of squashed ambition. I mean, you're you're BAME. Uh, mm. You're from Wolverhampton. I'm a woman. I'm LGBTQ mm. plus. I'm from the black country too. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's just start from a position that that we might have had a few hurdles to yeah, get absolutely. through. Um, I think there is nothing that dents confidence more than structural inequality, mm. and uh, if people are creating that structural inequality and doing nothing to bash it down Mm. then you can hardly blame the people who are affected by it Mm. yes of course we have to deal with our own ambitions and and issues and get past it and look for ways to to get to the next level but we do need people to help us navigate the glass maze and uh, people have described it as a glass maze rather than a, a, a glass ceiling mm. because how the hell do you get round it? How do, you, how, how do you have those conversations? How the hell do you network mm. with the people who are going to take you on to the next step? Which puts us in, in an even more powerful scenario where you and I can then be the inspiration and the mentor or the help or whatever it needs to provide that confidence for others to say it's possible. Yeah. We, we just need to give you the support and the motivation and potentially some of the advice to get through those hurdles because there may be ones where you just think you're not good enough you are you just need the support and the advice to get through it yeah I think that's right and so I think you know we can all help push people through Mm. but there has to be something at the end of it and and if as a sector we're not gripping this and the opportunities are not there Mm. and the same people keep getting recruited and we keep rattling off stats like this in years to come, then there's going to be a lot of brilliant people leaving the sector. And I think that's happening already. Mm. And my fear is we have so many challenges to face as a sector. I've been working in housing for 30 years now, Mm. and it's never more demanding than it is now. Unless we've got our brightest and our best coming through into leadership positions and we're fishing in the widest possible Mm. pools of talent... We're, we're not going to be able to face those challenges. Mm. So how do we get around it? So in terms of two thoughts that I've, I've pinged off the top of my head, do we as providers use demographics of an organization's tenant base or, or customer base or resident base as a benchmark for their own executive team or board demographic? And I guess the other one is, are there any plans from the regulator to introduce an equality and diversity regulatory aspect to the teams to force that conversation to take place. Do you think either of those would help or, or are any of those maybe in, uh, in play? Yeah, I th- so I think on census data, I think it's really important. That's one of the, the, the sort of bits of information that we should be looking at. So 14%, as, as I said, of households mm. in England have, have, have people rep, uh, representing a BAME. But it's 40% in London. So obviously you've got to look at your demographics. That's really important. It's not the only factor. I think when people say we're doing all right because we've got 20% of our staff are BAME, if you're not dividing that into proportionate progression and looking at all the levels, then you're wasting your time. Uh, So you need to look at a whole range of indicators. 
and, and know your stats, know your problem, and, and then you can find your solution. On regulation, that's really interesting. I think um, hope is not a strategy. We have to do something pretty uh, radical to, to get these gaps closed. Um, I'm not sure that regulation is coming down the line. I, I wish it was because I think we need to we need to move quite quickly. Yeah. And actually, I think it would mirror what's happening in the private and third sectors because mm. I think often we think we're brilliant at this. Actually, we're lagging behind, mm. and others are, are great. What is coming down the track is a new code of governance from the National Housing Federation. Okay. And I think it would be great to have a form of words in there mm. about uh, diversity as, as a minimum. Mm. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we're in, we're in this grand sector for 30 or 40 years, if we're lucky. Mm. Uh, I don't want to be retiring at the end of that thinking, do you know what, the stats are still the same, we haven't moved it on, because we'll have failed. It would have been a shame, wouldn't it? Yeah. And I guess that brings me to the question of, what can I do to help then? As a partner to the sector, mm. as, as somebody who takes it with great pride and personal satisfaction to help you all, what can I do to help this, this scenario? Well, I think as we shift it, I, th- I think there is going to be a market for diversity-minded recruiters. Okay. And it's almost that, you know, if you're commercial and you want your commercial edge, I think you're going to have to do it mm. because there is going to be more demand coming down the, the track and we're going to have to play catch-up. Mm. Um, so I, th- I think it's business-wise to get a- a- ahead of that. Mm. Um, I won't speak to recruiters unless they have a track record on diversity you know, they can get out the office as far as I'm concerned. Mm. So there is a commercial imperative to do it. Um, we have, uh, through the Leadership 2025 work, there is a recruiter's diversity pledge. Mm. So recruiters can, can sign up to that. But ultimately, it does depend on what your um, clients are, are demanding. So you can go and work on your lists, mm. but you need your clients to be thinking in good time so they don't just get a list of the usual suspects and people have time to really consider mm. the talent that's out there. And there is. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with that. I think just thinking out loud, given a mandate from a client where, especially on the interim side, I think it is slightly different on the permanent side where we have the time. We have the time and the resource to go and research a greater pool of individuals because mm. we can go and find individuals and tap them on the shoulder. When it comes to an interim role, I've got the best part of 24 hours or 48 hours to provide something. Mm. So I need to front load that process and have those individuals all ready to hand. That then makes it quite tricky, unless those individuals are already there, to have some of the diverse pipelines in certain areas. Asset management, predominantly very male, very white in demographic. Development is certainly getting better, but still quite dominated, male dominated and white male dominated. That makes it tricky for me to provide a shortlist that is truly diverse, absolutely representing everything we can, if I don't have those individuals in the first place. I've talked to clients in the past about having these individuals grown from grassroots. Where do we attract them from at almost university level, bringing them into an organization and fully growing them through the organization so we're stopping this issue from happening in the first place? That's ultimately where something I think we can we can have an influence is going back to clients and saying well look we can deal with some of your issue right now but that's more of a technical issue the job needs to be done let's fix Mm -hmm. it but in terms of your long-term strategy 
that's probably something we need to think about much further down the further down the organization and bring these people in from day one grow them help them to understand who we are and then like you say you're there for 30 40 years within the sector mm. how do you respond to something like that is, is that is that me making an excuse is that something that i can try harder to do or do we just need to go and find more individuals yeah, so I think graduate scheme is really a good idea, anything that we can do to get that, that talent pipeline going. But I keep coming back to this point that mm. the talent is there. Mm. And I think I, I hear this a lot from uh, conference organisers, uh, from the trade press, mm. who, uh, and I, you know, you've said I'm outspoken, so I'll say I think people need to get out more because mm. the people are there. Mm. But the representation, if there's a problem in representation, then we have a vicious cycle mm. of if you've only got two minutes to think of somebody, then you come up with the usual suspects Absolutely. of who you know in the sector. But I'm, I'm seeing it through a different lens. You know, I, I work at Gateway Housing Association. We're incredibly diverse. Mm. And, you know, I know a huge amount of diverse people with talent who are absolutely brilliant at these things. And so my notebook is, is possibly different from somebody's notebook who says this is really hard, I can't think of anyone. Um, and I think we just need to redouble our efforts mm. to actually identify the people who are already there mm. and are brilliant, but just because they don't get asked to speak at conferences <laughs> or, or, or write in the press, which is an, a, an issue we need to deal with very quickly, they're not coming to the front of people's minds. And that's a failure. That's a massive mm. failure. And of course, um, if any of those want to be interims, you know where to find me. Here's maybe something which is a bit pie in the sky, but how long do you think it will take before we truly have a diverse leadership situation across the sector? Well, I, I try not to be cynical. I mean, if, <laughs> if I was BAME, I'd be very cynical. Mm. As it is, I'm just pretty cynical. Um, I... I I think things are moving. Do you know, about five years ago, there was a time, wasn't there, when um, it was almost palpable. There was a lot of us women leaders who suddenly noticed that at every conference it was male panels mm. and there were a lot of call-outs on Twitter. And after a few years, it just began to get a bit embarrassing and no one would dare have a whole afternoon of, of white male speakers. Yeah. I think we are getting to that point now. Mm. Um, there's a lot of uh, peers, chief execs, who won't speak on all white panels, mm. the same same as me. And I think we're getting to that tipping point now. Mm. Um, and I, I think it, it's not going to take long. That's me being very positive. I, I know, and I know there'll be people listening to this that go, oh, come on, we've been talking about this for years and years and years. Um, and I think that is where we have to start setting targets. You know, if we don't nail this, if we don't nail this because it adds 35% to your bottom line, if we don't nail this because it's the right thing to do, if we don't nail this because we're going to have a crisis of talent in our organisations and we're going to see people losing, leaving the sector then we need some regulation to deal with it because it's just too depressing. And on that very powerful note, Kate, thank you so much for coming in and speaking to us. We often have these conversations and I'm sure we'll have more of them over a glass of wine at some stage, but it's great for our, our listeners to be able to hear just some of the, the, the conversation that you and I have on a regular basis. So thank you very much for coming in.
Thank you. My absolute pleasure. I, I should probably just say one tiny thing about yeah, why sure. I batted away the LGBTQ plus question. Yes. <laughs> and that's because I think it's probably more likely an issue around people uh, identifying. Stonewall did a really good study last year uh, that said 30% still of the workforce don't are not out in the workplace for fear mm. of discrimination. So I think that's a, a an issue around identifying. There are lots of us LGBTQ plus mm. chief execs in the sector mm. and census I think is around four percent. So it's difficult to get those those proportions. It's low it's low numbers. Mm. But for me, the big headline issue is and I'm unapologetic about it, mm. is the the lack of BAME diversity mm. in the sector. No, it's a really powerful message and Again, massively appreciate your time to come in and talk to us about it. Give us your expert opinion. Um, thank you to everyone who's, who's joined us for this episode of The Interim Leader. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do like, subscribe and follow us for more insights from our network of consultants and interim leaders. And hopefully we'll see you again soon.